0: the truth news network time heals all wounds or so we're told but recent numbers have surfaced that suggest some who've fallen to experimental gene therapy are not getting up well time may not heal all wounds but time does wound all heals. the lies are being exposed the guilty are falling how do you know you're players without a scorecard you turn to the voice of truth, TNN, the Truth News Network,
1: and Dan Newman. And by the way, we keep a scorecard here at Truth News Network, and we weigh the truths and the falsehoods that we're hearing from pretty much everybody in public life as it pertains to our government, to our nation, and to things that are happening within. And we bring those to you here every day at TNN Live. And of course, we publish stories every day that are full of facts. Often, they fly in the face of the very famous and the supposedly endowed with truth people that report all these things to us. It's not always what it seems to be, folks. And so we owe it, every one of us, owe it to ourselves and to our family members. If you're in business, to those who work for you, maybe those that are employed by you, you may be the boss. Well, everybody deserves to know the facts about everything that they need to to be able to make good choices for themselves. That's what we're about here today at Truth News Network, TNN Live, and I, on this Tuesday, want to thank you all for being a part of it. A big thing going on today. Yes, we have Ukraine and Russia and all that happening. We've got the State of the Union address tonight by President Joe Biden. It's going to be interesting to see what he says. It's going to be even more interesting to say at how people talk about, after he speaks, what he has to say. We, of course, will be here bright and early Wednesday to kind of give you the rundown on the fallout of what he had to say in light of current events in the United States and around the world, specifically Vladimir Putin and the Ukrainian people as they are watching and listening and hoping and praying for freedom to remain theirs and to not be taken over and be the cudgels of Russian President Vladimir Putin. So, folks, we got some very, very important things for you today. Uh, Of course, the State of the Union message is up and coming. The latest from Ukraine will have uh, all that information for you. But there is some really, really nasty COVID news that's out there. Not so much about the disease itself, and even not so much about the vaccines and all the egregious things that happen as a result of being vaccinated to a whole lot of people. In fact, thousands of people have died just because of their reactions, their body's reactions to the vaccines. All of the three vaccines that are being initiated and used here in the United States, all of those three come with a plethora of adverse reactions that people are experiencing and people are dying. We've got news about that. You're going to hear from the manufacturer, the creator, the inventor of, um, that process that is used to make two of the three vaccines that we are. We're talking about Dr. Malone. He's going to weigh in here. Also, Fourth Congressional District of Louisiana, U.S. Representative Mike Johnson was with us a couple of days ago, and if you didn't hear, he weighed in on a lot of these things and some very important things, and so we're going to let you listen in to that telephone call that we had. It's going to be a busy day, (laughs) and honestly, it should be a busy day, right, because we've got a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that's going on in our world around us. Finally, folks, finally. Our president has weighed in and he has pulled the SWIFT card and basically said, Russia, we're not going to allow you to transact any money, any financial transactions internationally anymore. You are stuck. Experts have said from the very beginning when the first slate of sanctions were announced by Joe Biden, he was thumping his chest, making a big deal of it. And it wasn't a big deal, folks. It wasn't because they were feckless. There was no teeth in them. Everybody began to ask, if you're going to do sanctions on any nation, the only reason you should do it is to stop them from doing something that's evil, in many cases illegal at the international level. But you go after where they're the most uh, reachable with whatever your sanctions are going to be. And for the case of a tyrant like Vladimir Putin and the nation of Russia, they're most vulnerable in their wallets. Do you know that even yesterday the ruble on international value had depreciated down to having a value against the dollar one ruble to hundred dollars? Now you think about that? You think about that folks. It's not a hundred dollars. I'm sorry it's a dollar, one ruble. To a dollar. They have to buy things. They have to pay people. They have to eat the Russian people. And their money, whatever the amount of rubles that they have, are virtually worthless. Can you imagine how that is attacking whatever acceptance across the nation of Russia the Russian people have for this president that has done it? He unilaterally has put his nation in this economic doldrum that I don't see any way they get out of it very soon, even if they pull out of Ukraine right now, which I don't think is going to happen. We're going to watch that closely through the upcoming weeks. I think this can only last, not months, weeks if that. And there's so much at stake, and it's far bigger than just Vladimir Putin's personality and credibility around the world. He has very little in the way of international credibility. But he wants to be the boss. And the boss, whoever that is in whatever endeavor we're speaking of, the boss typically gets a little caught up in the power that they have. And there's no doubt that has consumed Russian President Vladimir Putin. There are some new sanctions out there. We told you about that. Biden and his administration have put some new ones out there against Russia's central bank also attacking its National Wealth Fund and its Ministry of Finance. The move effectively prohibit Americans. This is interesting. Nobody really said anything about this when we announced these new financial sanctions yesterday. These new sanctions are going to stop Americans from doing any business with those Russian entities, which a lot of people do. You know, if you've got a... A simple IRA retirement fund or a 401k plan with your corporation, you probably have money invested in some of this stuff. The National Wealth Fund is one of those investment funds that are they're now sanctioned. They can't do financial transactions. So some of your money may be caught up in it. Specifically, our Treasury said... This move prohibits U.S. persons from engaging in transactions with the Central Bank of the Russian Federation, the National Wealth Fund of the Russian Federation, and the Ministry of Finance of the Russian Federation. This action effectively immobilizes any assets of the Central Bank of Russia held in the United States or by U.S. persons wherever they're located. So what did the Central Bank of Russia do? Well, in response... They suspended currency interventions in support of the ruble. That's according to the head of the regulator of the bank. This regulator said that the regular cannot the regulator cannot carry out such actions because of assets freeze by the EU and the United States due to restrictions on the use of foreign exchange reserves in dollars and euros. We did not carry out any interventions yesterday. The government has announced a decision to introduce the mandatory sale of 80% of export earnings. Think about that, 80%. Now, before this whole thing began, before he entered Ukraine, when he was threatening, guess what's happened on Joe Biden's watch regarding the energy industry of Russia? Don't forget, on day one of his... Administration, Joe Biden canceled the XL pipeline permit, and that was just the beginning of his attack on carbon energy, e- e- energy. And so production of the United States of oil and gas went down dramatically immediately when Joe Biden took office. When October of 2020, it was announced for the first time in decades, the United States had become energy independent. In fact, we were exporting our excess oil and gas to other countries around the world. That all happened under Donald Trump. When Joe Biden came into office at the point that he was inaugurated, January 20th of 2021, the United States had not bought an ounce of oil from Russia in decades. And yet today we are buying daily 600,000 barrels of oil. From Russia. 600,000 folks. That, that There's just something crazy with that. Biden announced he was going to place sanctions on more Russian banks. At the same time, European Union states and other countries have imposed sanctions and economic penalties of their own against Russia. Vladimir Putin and other folks and other Russian assets. Over the weekend... The EU blocked all Russian planes from entering its airspace. They barred RT and Sputnik News, which are two Russian state-backed media outlets, from even broadcasting. This really has never happened before to this level. It's unprecedented. We are taking today what we're doing will significantly limit Russia's ability to use assets to finance its destabilizing activities and target the funds Putin and his inner circle depend on to enable his invasion of Ukraine. That's according to Janet Yellen, our Secretary of the Treasury. Today, in coordination with the partners and allies, we are following through on key commitments to restrict Russia's access to these valuable resources. So yesterday, in a call with reporters, here we go again, one top Biden administration official said that those new sanctions against Russia's central bank were done because Kremlin officials were attempting to move assets and there would be a great deal of asset flight starting Monday morning from institutions around the world. So these sanctions are going to continue to isolate Russia and also Vladimir Putin. It's not yet clear how the Kremlin is going to respond. In fact, i got to be honest with you. A little bit I know about international finance it's going to be tough for the Kremlin to do anything. They don't have much power right now. I mean, when your national currency, one-to-one, is worth one of 100 against the dollar. In other words, one penny against $100. Over the weekend, in an address, Putin said he authorized the deployment of his country's strategic defense forces, which oversees some of Russia's vast arsenal of nuclear weapons. I tried to figure out why he did that, why he would make that a big deal. And I think what he's doing, he's threatening. He's a typical schoolyard bully, folks. He's out there. He doesn't have the power that he pretends that he has. He is. Don't, don't sell him short. He's a very powerful man on the world stage. And of course, in his own country. But he doesn't have a lot of arrows left in his quiver. And yeah, he had amassed $900 billion at the beginning of last week. That was the total that he had made above the normal amounts that they make when they sell their oil. And of course, 600,000 barrels a day is being sold to who? It's being sold to us. Question now is how is he going to access? As we buy those 600,000 barrels of oil every day from him, how's he going to access the money from that? I asked that question, and I've yet to get an answer to the question. I don't think a lot of people realize that this is really a bad deal for him. I don't see any way that he wins, because we're not the only ones that are involved in this shutting down of his reserve bank and shutting him out of the SWIFT. Money transfer international system. It took a bunch of our allies, and a bunch of them are buying oil and gas. Think about those northern Europe countries like Germany and Switzerland, and some other countries up there. They're dependent on Russian oil and gas, and Putin's not going to sell it to them if they can't pay for it. <laughs> I mean, that just makes sense. The pressure. On Vladimir Putin, it's incredible. It is absolutely incredible. I don't see how he doesn't either. I started to say some analogy that's a little distasteful, I won't. But he's either going to have to do something or go home. And he thought he was going to walk in. We reported this to you yesterday. Over the weekend, we were told that to his generals in a meeting in the ramp-up and getting prepared to invade Ukraine, he made the statement that when he invaded Ukraine, Ukraine would fall in 18 minutes. We're into day six now, folks. And the Ukrainian people haven't even thought about quitting. They're fighting like you can't believe. It's really, it's David and Goliath. There's no other better explanation for it than Vladimir Putin, of course, is Goliath. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is David in this battle. We're going to keep watching it. We're hoping that we can get good news and bring you good information that's good for the Ukrainian people, good for the Russian people for that matter, and all the rest of us around the world. Joe Biden could stop a lot of this pain right now. If he would just make a public announcement, looking back at our policies in the energy sector of our economy over the last year, we adjusted some things as we aggressively began working towards climate change issues and stopping our country from further pollution, taking advantage of the opportunities that we have. What we're going to do is we're going to just do a little check right now on all of those processes. And I have ordered, I met with all of the CEOs of the major energy companies in the United States and around the world, and we are immediately going back to generating our own oil and natural gas, and we're going to take care of our needs without relying on any Russian oil or gas, and we're going to make it available. We use about 15 million barrels of oil a day here in the United States. Actually, it's about 14 million. At full capacity, October of 2020, we were putting 15 million barrels of oil a day in pipelines. That gave, that gave us some excess. So what we're going to do is we're going to go back to our energy independence status, no reliance on Russia, and we're going to make available to our allies in northern Europe this excess oil that we're producing It won't happen overnight, but we can do it in just a few weeks. President Putin, we're not going to let you take over Ukraine. This will not stand. What would happen on the world stage if Joe Biden would make that announcement? And, of course, he was confronted over the weekend. Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri did just that, and he doubled down. He went one step further. He said, just imagine what we could have done for Ukraine and what Ukraine could have done In defending their nation against this invasion by Putin if the $82 billion worth of military hardware and equipment, including tanks and helicopters, attack helicopters, and even fighter jets and tons of weapons that Joe Biden told his military to leave in Afghanistan when we pulled out if we had only just moved that stuff to Ukraine. Imagine where this conflict between Russia and Ukraine would be. Actually, just to be honest with you folks, I think if Vladimir Putin knew all this stuff was there and that the people there in the Ukrainian military had the expertise to operate all these weapons, there probably wouldn't have been an invasion. We may never know, but I I guarantee you we're going to hear something about it. We really are. And some of, these, some of these nations, even NATO nations, even though Ukraine is not a member of NATO, some of these nations have stepped up and are getting active at pushing back at Russia over this invasion. Turkey, of all nations. Turkey said yesterday they're going to restrict the transit of Russian warships through the Black Sea. Now, that's according to their foreign minister, who also affirmed that Moscow's invasion of Ukraine comes under the war category. Is this a conflict or a war? We decided on that. Article 19 of the Montreux Convention is very clear. This is war, Turkey's foreign minister said in an interview with CNN. Now, what are the Montreux Convention, what is that all about? Well, in 1936, the Montreux Convention allows Ankara, which is the capital of Turkey, to limit naval transit through Bosporus and Dardanelles straits that connect the Marmara, Aegean, and the Black Sea. In other words, if you're going to get to the interior of Europe, you, you can go up way up in the North Atlantic and go that way, but if you're going to get there from the bottom of the side, the Mediterranean, you got to find another way to get through there, and it comes right through Turkey. Ships can go through the straits after giving Turkey a diplomatic notification subject to certain restrictions on the weight of their ships, the arms they can carry, and whether the ships come from a Black Sea country like Russia, Ukraine, Romania, Georgia, or Bulgaria. But during times of war, warships are only allowed to go through these straits if they're not from the nations classified as being belligerent. If Turkey's part of the war or feels that it's threatened, it can block the transit of every warship, whether they come from a Black Sea nation or not. But the country does not have the right to block civilian vessels, even under adverse conditions. Now this conflict has turned into a war in this case. This is how we apply Montreux for the parties, Russia or Ukraine. Article 19 provides an exception, the Turkey foreign minister said. If the ship of of war... Of the warring country will return to its port an exception is made. We will implement all the provisions of Montreux with transparency. This would allow Russian warships to get back to their bases. But the minister warned against nations abusing this exemption. Now Ukraine had already reached out to Turkey, found this out late yesterday, to block Russian ships from entering the Black Sea Right at the very beginning of Moscow's invasion of Ukraine's southern coast from the region, six warships and a sub, a submarine from Russia, have passed through Turkey's straits during the month of February. Turkey has good relations with both Russia and Ukraine. I mean, after all, that's just being a smart person in the region. Ankara has been cautious against acting strongly against Moscow as the country is dependent on Russia for energy imports, as well as tourism and trade. Turkey has, however, called and getting louder in their call to end the war. On the fourth day of the Ukraine war, we repeat President Erdogan's call for an immediate halt of Russian attacks and the start of ceasefire negotiations. That was the spokesman for the Turkish president. We will continue our efforts to help the people of Ukraine and end bloodshed in this unjust and unlawful war. So the international community is stepping up. They're not just talking a good game. They're playing a good game. Germany, nobody could believe this. Over the weekend, Germany sent a bunch of of, uh, military equipment to Ukraine, primarily the ones that protect against air attacks. Previously, the only thing Germany had done when Ukraine reached out for assistance from them is send them helmets <laughs> for, for combat, combat helmets. That's all Germany had sent. So maybe, just maybe, some of the eyes are being opened up from our for our European partners over there, and they realize this thing. If Putin is successful in Ukraine, he's not going to stop there. And they're looking around and trying to figure out where he'd go next. But I promise you, if he's successful in Ukraine, he's only just begun. And that's more than just a carpenter's song. We've only just begun. So how are our officials handling all of this? What are we doing? You know, we have a State Department. We have a, a consulate in every major corporate, uh, not corporation, country on earth in their biggest cities, usually the capitals. Anthony Blinken, who hasn't been really progressive at making any real weighty decisions about anything to do with the State Department, he announced yesterday, we closed our embassy in Belarus. Belarus is the capital. It's a country. And in the nation's capital, they closed it. In other words, we left. Belarus shares borders with Ukraine and Russia. And they've been letting the Russian military stage troops there. Sending troops through its space to bring attacks from additional fronts against Ukrainian forces. The Russians are clearly moving what they need to move inside their own country. And in Belarus, as they say fit, that's from a senior official from the U.S. from the State Department, Julie Fisher the special U.S. envoy for Belarus, said the move to close their embassy in Minsk came in part because of Belarus's complicity in Russia's war against Ukraine. Belarusian authorities have taken a series of hostile actions to limit the embassy's ability to work with the Belarusian people to advance America's interests, including forced staff reductions, closure of USA, Belarus, and U.S. Cultural Center in Minsk she said, adding that the U.S. is still committed to the people of Belarus and will provide support from other diplomatic posts. You see, here's the problem. Belarus, Latvia, Estonia, or are several of those little countries like that that were part of the old Soviet Union. And those are the principal countries right after Ukraine that Vladimir Putin is foaming at the mouth to get back in his fold. Vladimir Zelensky, Ukrainian president, he pilled directly to Belarus on Sunday, reportedly saying in a message that Belarus allowing Russia to launch attacks from its territory was a de facto referendum for you Belarusians. The president of Belarusia, Lukashenko, said while voting Sunday that the war should be ended today that Belarus doesn't have a single soldier in Ukraine. Lukashenko said he would ensure that all troops stationed in this country are going to remain there for the duration of the peace talks, which are underway, we are told, as of yesterday. Haven't got any real hard facts coming out of those meetings yet. Vladimir Makai, the Belarusian foreign minister, told the officials who got together that you may feel absolutely safe and that Lukashenko hopes that during these talks today you will manage to find a solution to all of these Cruel, these cruel, crucial issues. And there are a bunch. So meanwhile, that's the 900-pound gorilla in the room. Ukraine. Vladimir Putin. But that's not by far the only thing. The only important thing that we need to get into today. I told you about Louisiana Congressman from the 4th Congressional District, Mike Johnson, stepping by, and we talked about this the other day. Many of you couldn't listen in. I don't want you to miss it. So we're going we're gonna to bring Mike Johnson back. Coming out of this break, you're going to hear what he had to say about our position as a nation, about not only the Russia-Ukraine thing, but also about the storm and the war at our southern border. And there is one there, folks. There are millions of people that are coming across our southern border that don't have the legal right to do it. And our president is sitting idly by and not only watching these illegals come into our country and bringing with them we have no idea what, but also suborning their continued criminal coming. What can the American people do about that? Congressman Mike Johnson weighs in. That's up next.
2: What up, y'all? It's DJ Envy, and I'm teaming up with Turtle Wax this summer to make sure your rides are clean, shiny, protected, and even disinfected, because whether you're hitting the streets or heading out on the highway to the beach, Turtle Wax will make sure your vehicle is looking, smelling, and feeling amazing. Turtle Wax is the only brand that I trust with my fleet of supercars. And y'all know how many cars I keep in my garage, right? Check out TurtleWax.com to learn more and be sure to buy now at TurtleWax.com or anywhere you shop for car care.
1: Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet.
2: you're typically, pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the. Uh, 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 uh.
0: Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for the three ninety 6 inch sub of the day. How do you want it? Secret DJ set. At a retirement home? Weird. I like it. DJ sandwich in the house. <laughs> what did he say? Italian BMT three ninety nine. I called
3: the EMT. Turkey bread. participating shops. Prices and subs included may vary. Additional charge for extras, plus
4: tax. No additional discounts or coupons
0: applied. Married to the truth, divorced from the lies, fighting for the future. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And again, Dan Newman.
1: Joining us today from Washington, D.C., 4th Congressional District Representative, Mike Johnson from Louisiana Good morning sir
4: Hey my friend, great to hear your voice as always
1: Man, I can't tell you how excited Our people get when you drop by It's just so good mm-hmm. to get our our arms Around some facts from somebody that's On the inside of all of this insanity That would be you
4: <laughs> Well, thanks a lot We're, we're uh, happy to talk to your audience Because I know they're savvy and informed and You know, there's it's difficult to find Reliable information these days So we're glad you're
1: on the air Thank you, sir, for being so kind. Let's jump right to it. I'm going to respect your time. When we talked originally, we were going to break into some of this crazy southern border stuff, and I want to circle back—Jinsaki term—circle back at the end of this. <laughs> but uh, going into this, the 900-pound gorilla in the room is a little bitty guy, Russian President Vladimir Putin, and this thing in Ukraine, Mike, it's 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 getting out of hand very quickly what's your what's well, your take it on it all what's your take on it all
4: you know it was all so avoidable it, 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 obviously this did not happen during the four years of the trump administration there's a reason for that you know you and i subscribe to the old ronald reagan doctrine of peace through strength and he used to explain so well that the reason for that is because we know that weakness invites aggression right there are bullies there are terrorists and tyrants and rogue heads of state all around the world. And the only thing holding them at bay is the at least the perception that America is still the last great superpower, that we stand for liberty and freedom and, and, and human dignity and human rights and all of that. And so it holds the bad guys at bay. But right now we have an occupant in the Oval Office who has projected nothing but weakness on the world stage over and over. And then incompetence with the debacle and the withdrawal with Afghanistan, et cetera. So that has emboldened the bullies that has emboldened Vladimir Putin. We're, we're we're very concerned about the Chinese Communist Party and what they may do next. And Iran is you know very aggressively again moving for nuclear weapons. I mean this is a very dangerous time, and we have a commander in chief who seems to be completely oblivious to the real threats. And now you're seeing it in vivid on vivid display with this um, this this aggression in Ukraine. It's a real problem.
1: Let me just uh, kind of put it in a perspective. If Donald Trump had won re-election, would we be having this conversation today?
4: No, of course not. No, because uh, Putin and and Xi and China and and all the rest they they feared Donald Trump. They respected him because they knew that he was uh, he he had a heavy hand that he would not allow uh, that this type of activity. America First has all sorts of implications. That policy prescription that Donald Trump uh, reintroduced. You know, just look at it. Just in the energy policy sector, for example, okay, which is a central uh, reason and focus for this Russian aggression. You know, when Donald Trump came in, he said, we're not just going to talk about energy independence anymore, we're going to talk about energy dominance, and we achieved that in a very short period of time, right after Donald Trump took office, you know, we became a net exporter of fossil fuels, oil and gas, and we're blessed in this nation with tremendous resources just beneath our feet. But then, you know, there's an abrupt change in policy. when When President Biden took office, in his first few weeks in office, he issued this you know flurry of uh, executive orders. And among those first orders were to completely reverse the Trump policies on energy. And so he shut down the Keystone pipeline. He put a moratorium on federal exploration on on lands and and offshore on the coast of our state, Louisiana. And everywhere else and so that has a direct effect of weakening us not only did it drive the price of energy up gas gasoline for all americans it also put us in a weakened position on the world stage because we had to get our demand met by going to russia hat in hand in saudi arabia and asking them to supply our fossil fuel needs oil and gas and so that is one of the reasons that putin was empowered to do this it's it's not just failed leadership on biden's part it's also his terrible Completely counterproductive policies that have got us into this mess. It was all avoidable, and that's the great tragedy
1: of it. On the day Joe Biden was elected, on Airline Drive, I paid two dollars and sixty-five cents a gallon. I'm sorry, a dollar sixty-five a gallon for gas. Yesterday at the same place, it was three twenty. Um, what what changed in Louisiana? Nothing changed. We're still producing oil. We still have all that oil and gas underneath, as does Texas and every other state. So what's changed other than Joe Biden being president instead of Donald Trump?
4: Well, what changed is even though we still have producing wells, we have a whole lot less of them. The volume of domestic production of oil and gas has been uh, squeezed off because of these Biden policies. You know, when they put the moratorium on exploration and and production on federal lands, that cut off a huge part of our domestic uh, production. And then when when they imposed their new policies, Effect, effectively sanctioning the industry. They basically declared war on the oil and gas industry out of this zeal to quote unquote save the environment, which is all just a crazy Don Quixote quest, which we could talk about on a whole other program. But um, all, the effect of all that was to squelch domestic production. And so here's the great irony of it, Dan, is that when we when when biden issued these executive orders it did not change the demand level for fossil fuel in america we didn't everybody didn't stop driving their pickup trucks because a new guy you know took the oath of office right if anything the demand for fossil fuels was stabilized or has gone up and so to meet the demand domestically it meant then we had to go to our foreign adversaries like russia and ask them to supply our needs even though we have it just beneath our feet um and and so that puts us in a weakened position and here's the great irony of it obviously The oil and gas that's produced by Russia and Saudi Arabia and the others is not done in anywhere near as clean a manner as it is here. And so uh, the great irony is their supposed uh, purpose in all these policies is to protect the environment. They're actually doing much more harm to the environment, even by their own calculations because of carbon emissions, et cetera, by getting the demand met overseas. And so that has emboldened Putin. It has filled his coffers full of cash, right? And those are American taxpayer dollars going. And in our, our time and treasure, uh, going to uh, to supply him and to hurt us in its crazy.
1: U.S. had not bought a drop of oil from Russia in years. The month after Biden took office, we bought six million barrels, seven million the next month, eight, and we're up to nine million barrels a month from Vladimir Putin in Russia. And as of yesterday, it's reported he has a surplus in his oil kitty account of nine hundred billion dollars. With which he can fund this crazy Ukraine inversion or incursion or invasion, whatever Biden wants to call it, because he's getting it from us. He's getting the money to fund it by we're being forced to buy oil from him. It just makes no sense.
4: It makes no sense. And we were recently filling up our vehicle and on the uh on the gas pump was one of those stickers everybody's seen where joe biden has this funny look on his face and he's pointing and it says i did that and they, they put the sticker right next to the <laughs> sticker shock the price of that uh filling up the tank well we could p- apply that sticker on the the cover of these russian policies as well i mean this is directly tied to failed leadership in the white house and it it, it would be a comical if the i mean the, the, the comedy of errors would be would actually be humorous if it were not so deeply serious for us, for our future, for our security, our stability, and more immediately for innocent people in, you know, the nation of Ukraine. I mean, there, there are, there's a potential that you're going to lose many, many innocent lives over these ridiculous policy choices, and it is just completely unforgivable.
1: From a legislative perspective, you're in the House. You're one of the Republican leaders in the House. Your hands are kind of Tied like every Republican is in the House of Representatives, even with Nancy Pelosi and that skinny, skinny little majority she has, she blocks everything. Is there anything, anything that the people's representatives can get done or get initiated to make sure we don't get into World War III because Joe Biden uh, is feckless and he can't stand up or won't stand up to Vladimir Putin?
4: Well, there is. You know, we have been pushing aggressively in, in the House Republican Conference uh, to, to demand action, to, to plea for action on, on Biden's part. I mean, for weeks, for months, you know, we've, all, we've seen this coming. Our intelligence community, of course, knew that this was going to happen way in advance. We were getting classified briefings on this two months ago, longer. And so we've been begging the administration to take appropriate action to put sanctions on Russia immediately, to stop the Nord Stream pipeline, to to, to threaten, at least, sanctions on his financial institutions. I mean, there are many levers of power that we could use that the Biden administration refused to do. But as you point out, Dan, the problem is we're the minority party in Congress. And the way it works is that even though Nancy Pelosi has a razor-thin majority – she literally controls everything. And so our legislation has not been heard. Our demands have gone without any response. Um, we, we filed a bill um, just uh, yesterday. Uh, House Republicans introduced a bill that uh, that is really just a, our, our last-ditch effort to stop Vladimir Putin's destabilizing, destabilizing aggression against Ukraine. It's called the Never Yielding Europe's Territory Act, and there's a whole bunch of Republicans co-sponsoring it. But basically it just – Calls for the immediate, real cost imposition of sanctions on Russia, before and after an invasion, and it would be escalated uh, depending upon what his actions are. Now, again, we should have done this a long time ago, but here we are. And so, uh, there, there's real live legislation filed in the House that could be heard by committee, could be passed by the the full Congress, but uh, Nancy Pelosi will not allow it to be heard. And so, again, these are these are dangerous political decisions they're making that have real world effects on everybody.
1: Well, we heard yesterday about the Nord Stream 2, the certification of it. Germany said they're not going to certify it. That's a big deal. But that's not even pumping gas right now. There's really no pain yet for Putin because of Nord Stream 2. What about Nord Stream 1 that has been operational? Is there anything, any kind of real, real, harm or hurt financially that we the united states and our allies in europe can put on this guy is there anything
4: yeah there there, there is quite a bit i mean first of all you know when the german chancellor made those remarks uh, on tuesday i mean that, look, that's better than nothing but our policy in the u.s needs to be to kill that pipeline now so it never becomes operational not just delay it we have to kill it and unfortunately the phrase you know he said quote under the present circumstances i mean. You know, that appears to leave some wiggle room for Berlin. for Berlin. So we're, we're, we're a bit concerned about that. President Biden needs to remove his ill-advised sanctions waivers on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline right now. And, and, and after that, okay, beyond just Nord Stream 2, we can go after the Russian financial institutions, the big banks there. They're the ones that are partnering in all this, right? And the U.S. can wield huge power over that. I mean, we can impose our will on this so that other – banks and other nations don't do business with them. We can shut Putin's economy down, at least a big chunk of it. I mean, about 30% of his GDP comes from um, from oil and gas, right? And so um, there, there are direct interventions, very specific steps that we can make right now that would make a huge difference in this, but it takes political will to do it. And President Biden doesn't have that.
1: Knowing that it's probably not going to happen on Biden's watch, uh, is there any way we can just push this thing out? Because... I think Putin, every day, he's watching what happens, the reactions to anything that he does or any speech that he gives. And when nothing happens, nobody stands up and you know takes him on. I think that just empowers him to just continue to move forward. He is a dictator. He wants more power. He wants all of Ukraine. I won't take up your time to give you the list of what Ukraine really brings to the table. Very few people realize how... Wealthy, the nation of Ukraine is and what kind of resources it has. Putin wants that, and if somebody didn't step up and and take the bully on, he's not going to stop at Ukraine. He's going to head west. He's going to go into Europe. He's a lustful guy that wants unlimited power to do anything and everything that he wants, which brings this question up. Are we going to get involved in this thing militarily?
4: Well, we certainly hope not. The American people don't want it. To be very frank, we can't afford that. We have a 30 trillion dollar federal debt, and we don't want to risk American blood, time, and treasure over there. Um, you know, th- there are things that we can do short of boots on the ground. Um, you know, Ukraine has been asking for assistance for a long time for uh, more effective weapons uh, to counter Russian aggression. You know, it, th- the request fell on deaf ears. Um, there, there are things that we can do to supply uh, these these people there. And, and, and a lot of people you know conservatives some people in my camp argue that this is not an important concern of ours that we should just let it go but but the, the central answer to that is what you were alluding to just a moment ago dan look our adversaries across the world are emboldened by the biden administration's appeasement approach to foreign policy okay it's not just about vladimir putin at this point it's also as i mentioned about china it's about iran it's about north korea if we do not show a sign of strength here it is going to be a critical error on our part, and the, the the security and the safety of Americans here in our homeland will be in jeopardy. Okay, I mean this is this is the most serious uh, foreign policy I think uh, confrontation that we've had maybe since the, the Cold War in terms of face off with another major superpower and um if we do not meet this moment we're in big trouble there's a lot of people that have noted the parallel over the last couple days between the biden appeasement strategy here and you know neville chamberlain during world war ii if you had not had a a decisive bold leader like churchill step up at the moment that he did we may all be speaking german right now right i mean these are fateful decisions we have a fateful election cycle coming up this fall for the country, for the control of the Congress. That'll be a first big step. But then, of course, the election of the, the next presidential cycle in 2024 could decide all the marbles. We just need to pray for God's mercy that we can, we can hold on that long and hold these tyrants at bay because this is a dangerous situation.
1: I would have never thought we would have been here just a year into this presidency and really questioning, is there any way we can just survive to the next election? Because... I mean, I never thought he could do the damage that he did, not in a year. I mean, just a few months, 90 days into his presidency, he had turned everything around, and we were headed downhill really fast, threw away a lot of progress. There's no question about it. Say what you want to say, negative, about Donald Trump. I hated his messaging. I love him dearly beyond. I wish he could have softened his messaging. But let me tell you what somebody uh basically instructed me to understand most Americans resonate with his blue collar in your face messaging. And that did a lot of good. It made everybody understand and realize he's not just a bully who talks a game. He plays the game and we don't have any of that anymore. I, um, I want to circle back to that other topic. I know your time is limited. I don't want to keep you much longer. What, what, we wanted to talk about originally when we first spoke was how this mess at our southern border, which is probably just as critical as the Ukraine-Russian thing, we have no border. Everything's wide open. There is no fence down there to keep anybody out. In fact, our president and all his minions, including Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, they just stand down by where the border was formally located and waving to everybody saying, y'all come on in. Mike, that's that's illegal action. We have federal immigration laws that only you guys in Congress have authority to make, and the laws in place are supposed to be enforced by the executive branch of our government. What can be done to hold this president and anybody else that refuses to enforce the laws besides impeachment? Is there anything that can be done?
4: That's a big question, right? I mean, just like the energy policy, when President Biden took office, he did exactly the opposite – reflexively almost – he did exactly the opposite of what Donald Trump had done and accomplished. And this border crisis is, in my view, the number one crisis right now Um, because so many of our domestic problems are related – the open border policy of president biden is he violating existing federal law absolutely i've called for the resignation we are even talking about uh, the the impeachment of mayorkas as soon as we get the gavels of power back i mean it's a no-brainer the guy is just intentionally thwarting federal law to all of our peril you know um you're going to hear a lot about this uh early next week the president's um, state of the union address is scheduled for tuesday and on monday we're gonna have a big uh press conference the house republicans and there's a lot of things to talk about ukraine is a big thing but we're going to draw a lot of attention to this border crisis to remind americans that the president is is uh i think he is more than derelict in his duty i think he is for some reason intentionally Trying to challenge the sovereignty of our own country because that's what it is. If you don't have a border that you can secure, you have no sovereignty as a nation. And and look, all these problems: rising crime in our cities. Um, you you got the fentanyl crisis. You know, drug overdoses are a number one crisis in the country right now. We had over 100,000 overdose deaths in 2021 alone. First time we ever crossed that line. Most of this is related to illicit fentanyl that is coming across the border. Manufactured in China, sent by the Mexican drug cartels into our country. They're making billions of dollars at our expense. Overdoses have become the leading cause of death for Americans 18 to 49. More than cancer, car wrecks, and COVID, okay? This thing, you cannot overstate what a great crisis this is. Millions of people have come into our nation illegally and been settled by the United States government, not, not, not apprehended and sent back home or put on trial or anything. They are being sent and dispatched to cities around our country. My hometown of Shreveport where you and I spend a lot of our time, right, busloads of illegals. From countries all over the world have been dropped off in our little town in north Louisiana over and over and over and over. Hundreds and hundreds of them just dropped off in our town by the federal government. Taxpayers are paying for this transport. Look, we could go on all day, Dan. Don't get me started. This problem is something that must be addressed. And until we get the, the gavels back, until this red wave election cycle in November, the most frustrating thing is we literally have no power to do anything about it other than draw attention to it. Uh, until we can uh, take that
1: back. You mentioned the deaths, the drug overdoses, fentanyl. They've actually, the nation of China has cut deals with the drug cartels in Mexico. They're shipping fentanyl there, and these guys are dis- distributing it across the United States, killing Americans. That's one thing. In two fiscal years, back to back, 600,000 felony acts against Texans occurred by illegal aliens. Everything all the way up to first-degree murder. It doesn't even make a blip on the D.C. radar screen for violent crime. I mean, when, when a state has no federal authority to do anything about enforcing its borders with a foreign nation, and the nation does nothing about it, I mean, to me, that's like suborning illegality, criminality at the highest level. I cannot imagine... This happening in the United States of America, and we got to get it stopped. Somehow, we've got to get it stopped.
4: Well, we have to. And just one one parenthetical note on that fentanyl. You know, fentanyl is uh, is a manufactured form of morphine that's much more potent. It's one of the most dangerous substances on the planet. Just enough of that drug to fit into the tip of a pencil is a lethal dose. So we've had. Tens of thousands of pounds of illicit fentanyl, manufactured by China, trafficked by the drug cartels into the country—that—that that, that we've just, that we've caught at the border over the last year and a half. Okay, that's not the stuff that's actually gotten in. We, we've we we've apprehended and and uh, contained enough of that to kill every man, woman, and child in America eight times over. Okay, that that's that's what this means in real numbers in real terms. It is the scandal of of this uh, of this decade for certain. And if we don't get on top of it, as I said, what's, what's at issue here is more than our security. It's actually the sovereignty that we have as a nation. We cannot be a superpower if we cannot man- maintain our own borders, and that's what's at stake.
1: Congressman Mike Johnson, 4th Congressional District, Louisiana. As always, thank you so much for stopping by. We love having you in our corner, and we just can't wait until you guys can get something done on all these levels and many, many others. We need some real leadership there. Congressman Mike Johnson, what a great guy. He comes by pretty regularly and uh, when he needs uh, a pulpit (laughs) that is outside of mainstream media or even the conservative mainstream outlets, he never hesitates to give us a call here because we've got a voice and we open it up to everybody that wants to pass along good information so that we can all make educated choices for ourselves and everybody in our circles of influence. Well, we're just getting cranked up here, folks. We're just getting started. There's some other stuff out there, some other important stuff out there. None of it is more important or less important than any of the rest of it. Why is that? Because it's important to you. That's all it takes for us to get on top of it. We've got COVID news and we have a State of the Union address coming up tonight. All that and a whole lot more. By the way, Dr. Robert Malone, the inventor of the technology that made the two of the three COVID-19 vaccines. He's got something he's going to share that will blow your mind. All that and more right after this. Thank you, by the way, for joining us every day here, Monday through Friday at TNN Live. Real truth, real news, TNN,
4: the Truth News Network. Hi, this
2: is Jack, founder of Jack in the Box. Is the
4: caller there? Mr. Box, Douglas Gompers from Burger Week magazine.
2: Oh, hey, Doug. Doug's a respected fast food critic.
4: I recently dined on your sourdough Jack combo. And? Perfection.
0: The cheese, the jumbo patty, the golden sourdough bread, the French fries. Bravo.
2: Well, thank you. However, I found the dessert a bit dry. It doesn't come with dessert. The candy. The white, round candy with the happy face. Was it wearing a scarf? Yes, I believe it was. Rosy cheeks? Fuzzy earmuffs? Yes, that's it. Douglas, you ate a holiday ball. (gasps) We're giving one away free to customers who buy a Sourdough Jack combo. But they're not for dessert. They're for antennas. Or a pencil? Right. Well, that's going to improve your score dramatically. Excellent.
4: We may not be able to lower the cost of gas, but we can do something about how many miles you will drive per gallon. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store today and let us help you increase the performance of your car or truck. Simple things like replacing your air filter, changing worn-out spark plugs, and using fuel injector cleaner can add up to better fuel economy and big savings. There's an O'Reilly Auto
1: Parts store close to you that has the name brands, low prices, and people who can help. Restore lost fuel economy and eliminate rough idle with Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts by two and get one free lucas fuel injector cleaner quickly cleans clogged injectors to increase fuel efficiency and help your vehicle run smooth lucas fuel injector cleaner buy two get one free at o'reilly auto parts better parts better prices every day limit supply see store for details You know, there's something very important going on that we can't figure out yet and it's not just me it's a bunch of military experts why oh why is Vladimir Putin so desperate and what is he willing to do is he willing to stop anywhere or is he just going to keep going until he begins to just kill Ukrainians left and right with no regard for anything to do with their humanity I mean, folks, these are some questions that need to be asked. There are a lot of people that are very concerned about Vladimir Putin's state of mind. (laughs) Think about that. We have our guy, Joe Biden, and uh, pretty much we're all concerned about his cognitive ability. But then you have Vladimir Putin, and a lot of the things he's doing defy explanation. Even experts, military experts, and even people that have known him for decades, decades. They think something's not right. Little bitty things are coming out into the mainstream media venues to give us some inside looks at Vladimir Putin. Listen to this. He did something that uh, I don't think anybody was prepared for. He sent a battle hardened, much feared group of fighters. You've heard of the Chechen rebels? Well, he sent them in to reinforce his invasion into Ukraine. And unfortunately for him, it may have backfired, according to reports today coming out of Ukraine. Some observers said the soldiers could have been sent in as headhunters to kill or to capture senior Ukrainian politicians. But they say those uh, efforts in the beginning have been thwarted by Ukraine's own military. I'm going to tell you what, folks. The Ukrainian military, they are tough. Yesterday I told you about a woman that uh, was on an early morning news show yesterday and she was reporting to the media outlet that her husband and a whole group of his friends were leaving Poland yesterday and they were going to Ukraine to fight for Ukraine. Why would they do that? Because they're Ukrainian nationals. They just happen to be living in Poland. And apparently there are tens of thousands of those types of fighters that are working with Ukraine's military. This group, the Chechen rebels, are part of a Russian National Guard unit, are well known for fighting insurgencies because that's what Russia does, using brutal tactics that even jolted Russia during its two brutal wars in the 90s against them. The Chechens have been employed to hunt down terrorists in Syria, used by Russia to fight elsewhere, including in Georgia. Now, that's not Georgia, USA. That's Georgia in, uh, in Europe. They also fought the Ukrainians in Donbass when hostilities began there in 2014 when Joe Biden was vice president, Barack Obama was president. The Chechen Republic is a predominantly Muslim region in the Caucasus, and while it's still part of Russia, it's been granted a lot of autonomy by Putin, which is close to Chechen leader Ramzan Kadyrov. Katerov announced this weekend his troops are in Ukraine. Didn't know they were going. Didn't hear about it until late yesterday. How many of them are there? Well, the numbers vary from 7,000 to tens of thousands. You can't get any good news that you can trust coming out of Vladimir Putin's media. Katerov said he supported Putin's decision to invade and that his troops, these Chechen rebels, will carry out his orders under any circumstances. But unconfirmed reports coming out of Kiev claimed Ukrainian forces had taken out some 56 Chechen tanks and killed one of its highest-ranking commanders on the way to the capital. While the Chechen leader denied his uh, uh, commander's death, if true, even this early on in the campaign, it could be big trouble for Putin, given the massive fight of resistance being put on by Ukraine's military forces, against Russian aggression. Theodore Karasik, a fellow on Russian Middle East affairs at the Jamestown Foundation, said this, the Chechens are getting hit for now, and it's based on the fact that they, the Ukrainians, did their homework. They understood how Chechens fight. Karasik said, even with the Chechens' historic background of being really bad booty fighters, I mean, they're after it. They go nuts when they get into war. During these early stages of the invasion, instead of the Chechens targeting them, the Ukrainians, they've targeted the Chechens. They got them before they had time to really act. Now, that doesn't mean the Chechen units are inactive, but they're getting slowed down tremendously in these first few days of the Chechens being there. Karasik, who has written a book on Russia's actions in the Middle East, as well as on the Chechen conflict with Russia, He said he saw these reports as adding to the anxiety of the Russian general staff. When Russia's defense minister has to go sit with Putin at a distance because Katarov was mouthing off and whining that they're getting their ASSES kicked, this is going to send a shockwave about a response. So this is why I think we're seeing a bigger aggression by Russia. We're only in this thing six days now. And the Chechens got surprised because of Katerov's relationship with the Kremlin. It looks bad for him right now. So his highly trained fighters, some who have trained in other theaters, in other wars and Russian skirmishes, have to go back and fight harder. And Putin knows that. So while the Ukrainian military is fighting to keep control of Kiev, and also Ukraine's second largest city, Kharkiv, Observers expected to see the Chechen units moving in with them. Karazik warned that some of the Chechens probably will be assigned to a kidnap and kill portion since they've had a history of doing these types of operations. Now, you put that in the context of what is going on and why and what Vladimir Putin's thinking. Think about that. To, To me, for him to put those thugs in there, it just seems like a bit of desperation. What do you think? I mean, I can't come up with a normal military explanation for hiring these thugs to go in there. Why would he hire them to go in there? Because they're thugs and he wants them to do their thuggery, right? But it gets even worse. Listen to this. He wasn't done with the Chechen rebels. The Kremlin has sent more than 400 Russian-paid mercenaries into Kiev alone with a single mission. You know what they're doing? They're trying to do? Assassinate Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. The Wagner Group, the Wagner Group is a Russian private military company accused of working undercover with the Russian government. They flew in 400 mercenaries from Africa to Kiev a month ago. And this information is just now leaking out. Their assignment, singular in nature, was to decapitate Zelensky's government and prepare the ground for Moscow to take control in exchange for some pretty sincerely big, big, big financial bonuses. The Ukrainian government first received intelligence, not until Saturday, this past Saturday, about these mercenaries. Hours later, a curfew was implemented in Kiev from 5 p.m. to 8 a.m., effective for at least the subsequent 36 hours for more effective defense of the capital and the security of its inhabitants. All civilians who are going to be on the street during the curfew will be considered members of the enemy sabotage and reconnaissance groups. That's from Kiev's mayor. He tweeted that out on Saturday evening. Please treat the situation with understanding and just don't go outside. Yesterday, one senior U.S. defense official told reporters there are reconnaissance forces in Kiev, but none confirmed those forces were ordered to assassinate Zelensky. So in the middle of all of this, our brain surgeon of State Department issues, our Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, the European Union in December moved to sanction the Russian-backed Wagner Group and its associates, for their serious human rights abuses that include torture, extrajudicial summary or arbitrary executions and killings, and destabilizing activities in countries like Libya, Syria, the Central African Republic, and Ukraine's Donbass region. Former U.S. intelligence officials speculated that these mercenaries more likely have been operating in the capital city, Kiev, for months because Vladimir Putin required on-the-ground intelligence in the Ukrainian capital in advance of his planned invasion. One official said deploying this Wagner group to assassinate Zelensky gives Putin the option to say, that wasn't me. (laughs) A second former U.S. official added that having the Wagner group carry out judicial killings in Kiev, perhaps by using a nerve agent or something non-traceable, could be the Russian government's tactic because something not attributable is an option Putin would want to have. In other words, he would love for Zelensky to go down and even other people, and there'd be no way to place the blame on him. That's interesting. The Center for Strategic and International Studies has been watching Russia's growing use of private military companies to increase its international influence through irregular means. Pretty much when you do that, you've got a better chance of flying below the radar screen, and when something bad happens, you may not get the blame. What does that tell you about Vladimir Putin? To me, he just seems like a coward, a bully that's a coward. He doesn't want to get caught doing anything that anybody's going to think he was evil for doing. The Wagner Group, they've been linked to the Russian Ministry of Defense, particularly the Main Ingredient Directorate. That's called the GRU. You've heard it called the GRU. I, I just didn't know either that it has a real name. And also the Federal Security Service, FSB. More recently, they've arrived in Mali as France has begun scaling back its military efforts against jihadist groups in the region there. So you've got the Chechen rebels in there. And now you've got these 400 assassins. Vladimir Putin is pretty concerned about things and the way they're going for him and his army in Russia and in Ukraine. It's just not working out for him. So, we mentioned a little bit ago, and we said we'd get into it. There are some very smart people in the United States that are watching as Putin does what he does and they've known him or been around him a long time or watched him a long time. And they think he's got a mental problem. One of those I have a lot of respect for secretary of state Condoleezza rice under president George W. Bush. And she came out and called Putin's recent behavior erratic. And she explained, she said, I met with him many times. This is a different Vladimir Putin. He was always calculating and cold, but this is different, she said. He seems erratic. There's an ever-deepening delusional rendering of history. So former Director of National Intelligence, Jim Clapper, somebody that I'm not a fan of, but he, he came out over the weekend and he echoed Rice's assessment of Putin, who has grown increasingly frustrated over his failure to swiftly subdue those Ukrainian forces and get rid of Zelensky. Clapper said, I personally think Putin's unhinged. I worry about his acuity and his balance. So, all the concerns that we're hearing about about Putin's shaky mental health are relevant, really relevant, given that he has his finger on the nuclear trigger. Senior intelligence officials who have known Putin for decades said over the weekend that he has been isolated for months at his presidential compound, interacting exclusively with a very small group of advisors and cronies. The story is that his immediate family members and he all got bad cases of COVID-19 and they were locked down. They've not integrated into the normal population like they always did. And folks, when you don't interact with a bunch of other people, your mind changes You act differently. You think differently. And that's one of the things that we've seen play out among, especially our kids. During COVID-19, during our lockdown, pandemic lockdown, remember? These kids, they weren't going to school. They were sitting in front of computers every day doing virtual learning. They no longer could integrate with their friends. And anytime they went anywhere, they had to stay anonymous behind a mask. There's no way that won't negatively impact human beings, especially our kids. And it appears that Vladimir Putin, he might be going through that same thing right now. A senior national security official during the Trump administration, who didn't want to be named, said when Putin met with French President Emmanuel Macron earlier this month, he seemed paranoid and he wouldn't listen to any reason that Macron tried to share with him. During the meeting in Moscow, the men sat across a really long marble table as Macron tried to persuade Putin to stand down, not to invade Ukraine. After the failed effort at intervention, Macron privately described Putin as more rigid, more isolated, and fundamentally lost in a sort of ideological and security drift. Longtime Putin ally, the Czech president, Milos Zemin called the Russian leader a madman this week after he launched the invasion. So even some of his friends are saying, this guy's cheese uh, has slipped off his cracker. Rebecca Kofler, who's a former DIA intelligence officer and author of Putin's playbook, said that Putin is no madman. Putin is absolutely not crazy. All this talk calling him crazy, it means we're still not taking Putin seriously or understanding, Koffler said. He's not delusional. There are no mental anomalies, she added. Putin is a cold-blooded, typical Russian autocratic leader and a very calculated risk taker. He's simply executing a plan that he has been hatching for 20 years. That's scary to think about. He's been wanting to do this for 20 years. Koffler said that calling Putin crazy is a cover-up for the U.S. failure to appreciate Putin's ambitions or his psychology. Biden, at the very beginning, called the use of sanctions a deterrent. After the invasion, he reversed course and said he actually didn't think the economic penalties would prevent war. If anything, this conflict has exposed our lack of a viable counter-strategy to Putin's well-thought-out plans, Koffler said. We're grasping at straws right now. Everybody's always trying to get a handle on what's going on, especially when you have something this horrible. I mean, I don't care if it's only been a few hundred Ukrainian people that have died. I don't care. One death in a skirmish like this, you can't call it a skirmish, you got to call it an invasion, but it's unprovoked. The Ukrainian government did nothing against Russia. The Ukrainian people did nothing against Russia. It's just a tyrant, schoolyard bully that wants to expand his fiefdom. And he wants to put Ukraine down underneath countries that I rule over. And he's committed at least so far to do anything and everything it takes. I mean, he made it very clear over the weekend. He put the use of nuclear weapons back on the table if they were ever off the table. And with the obvious problems that he's having, juggling the different pieces of this whole thing that none are working out well for him. If he happens to have lost the cheese off his cracker, this is the kind of guy that could make a decision that could be world-changing, literally world-changing at a split second. And it could result in millions of people around the globe dying. I mean, if he starts playing the nuclear game, folks, there's no good ending for that, for anybody, those he attacks and those who respond and him. I just hope we're not going down that road. That would not be a good place to end up, and I think you'll agree. Well, told you we had some COVID news. We're going to go to COVID world right after this. Dr. Robert Malone, the inventor of the mRNA technology, He's got some answers to some questions that many of you have had. Many have called in or text or email me with questions about some of this that Dr. Malone got his handle around and has some answers to a bunch of your questions regarding the way our government, the CDC, Dr. Fauci, and all the other experts have been acting. You don't want to miss this. Dr. Malone himself after this. And now back to John with the weather.
0: Yes, Andy. Tonight, a big storm. Storm this! Get the soccer offer from Pizza Hut and Pepsi. With every two medium pan super supreme, you get a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. free. Yes, a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free.
3: Yes, Pepsi, the soccer ball. Four
2: can- don't, Pepsi, don't miss the Pizza Hut and Pepsi soccer out. offer with every two medium pan super supreme. You get a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. What about the weather, Andy? Don't resist and call 19,000 now.
0: Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select, as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select, dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply.
1: Grab an ice cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients zero sugar and seven essential vitamins, with no high fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active
0: all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you.
2: Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a... Swing! <sighs>
3: ah!
0: <laughs> Bob? Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo One Search on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo One Search and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. The view from the top is reserved for the bold. And the bold tell the truth. Truthnewsnet.org
1: And I'm just... I'm pretty positive that you've taken a roost at the top of the heap with me, beside me, as we dig in and find facts. Every day, that's what we do here. I want to say thank you so much for being part of the Truth News Network family. You're very faithful, reading our stories that are published here pretty much every morning, and also participating in TNN Live, our daily Monday through Friday two-hour show. And you could join the show anytime, as a matter of fact, toll free 1-866-37 Truth. That's one 866 378 I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that if you miss a show live, you don't have to miss the show at all. Apple Podcast, Spotify Podcast, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio Podcast, also TuneIn, Stitcher, and now Facebook of all places are grabbing our show after they go live when they're over. And so you can go, if you've got an iPhone, you've got Apple podcast. It's that purple little icon. All you got to do is go to that, click on the podcast. And when the search bar comes up, you type in these words, TNN live. That's the name of our show. And it will bring you up to the homepage index. And all of our shows are cataloged there. The latest show is, is up at the top, so you don't have to miss anything. You can do the same thing with Spotify and Google and Stitcher and iHeartRadio and TuneIn. And now, just look on my Facebook page. After a show is over, you can go get and listen to the podcast right there. You never miss a day. So what are we talking about in COVID land? There is news out in COVID land. And we're going to go to Dr. Robert Malone in just a second. And before that, I just want to drop another little bit of information on COVID that came out and kind of shocked a bunch of people. You know, those 500 million free COVID tests Biden bragged about, Oh, we're going to send them out. And we're going to send them to every home. There's not anybody that's not going to be able to get tested and you won't have to pay a dime. About half of that 500 million number have not been claimed. In other words, people don't want them. You had to, log in and get them, they, we ship them right to you. Biden administ- administration officials said that Americans have placed 68 million orders for packages of tests. That leaves about 68% of the stock still available, yet unclaimed. We totally intend to sustain this market. Dr. Tom Inglesby, who is the testing advisor to the White House COVID response team, he said, we know the market is volatile and will come up and down with surges in variants. The shortfall in tests being claimed likely is due to a big drop in COVID cases across the nation, as well as an easing of restrictions like vaccine mandates or masking in primarily Democrat-led states in recent weeks. There is no question that some people found out they were positive from taking one of these tests. And we're able to keep other people from getting infected. Now that, he said, there's no question. I question it. I do, folks. I don't believe anything that these bureaucrats in our government tell us about anything to do with COVID-19. I will say this. I'm sure we have paid for those 500 million COVID-19 tests. But it doesn't surprise me that there are 68 million of them that are still not being requested and used because Americans don't want them. I think every American understands when you've got the symptoms and you want to find out for sure, you can very easily get tested and you don't have to write and wait in for the Biden administration to send you a test only to read on the packaging it's sourced from China. That would stop me as a matter of fact, pretty quickly. This effort supports the president's plan to deliver 500 million free at-home COVID-19 tests to the nation in response to the Omicron variant. That's from the Department of Defense. The procurement was funded through the American Rescue Plan Act to supply critical medical resources to the nation. So he was getting a bunch of junk. People were saying, look, you didn't have tests out there. I mean, we hit the Christmas season, folks, and nobody had any test, And that was the critical time when we needed to have everybody access to a test because that's the time of year when people get together. I mean, say what you want, but families are going to be together in large part during the Christmas holidays, Christmas parties, out shopping, intermingling with friends and family members. That's just the way it happens and we didn't have any tests. And of course, they knew. There was a report that came out when it was first discovered the Biden administration doesn't have any tests and we can't get any for a while. came out that there was an opportunity for Joe Biden to get that half a billion test if he had only ordered them in September and he declined to do so. Do I know that's for a fact to be true? All the reports that I have seen and heard credible reports from credible people is that he passed and he left Americans out there short. Now, did that take any toll on Americans during the Christmas holidays? We'll never know. You know, that's one thing about COVID-19 world. It's easy to stay hidden and not be held accountable for some bad decisions that you make as a leader because they are so much uncertainty about every phase or every part of COVID-19 stuff. There's some radio fallout from COVID-19 and everything we've learned. And the social media giants are the ones that really created this debacle that nobody can understand. Know what am I talking about? I'm talking about The media outlets, let's just talk for a second about mainstream media. I'm talking about the big broadcast television networks, ABC, CBS, NBC. I'm talking about the cable networks, Fox News being the biggest, and then CNN, MSNBC, CNBC. And then, of course, we're talking about newspapers. The big ones, New York Times, Washington Post, Chicago Tribune, Los Angeles Times. There's so much question out there and it's so hard to get facts, yet they propagate news stories almost every day telling us things are supposed to be factual than aren't. And they've weaponized that against us. Now, you're not going to believe how so. I'm about to play you a um, an audio soundbite with Dr. Robert Malone. Who is he? He is the inventor of the mRNA technology, which is used as the foundation for the Pfizer vaccines as well as the Moderna vaccines. Johnson & Johnson's is not mRNA developed. So here's Dr. Malone out there, and he's a pretty savvy guy. I mean, to think that he invented that technology that has been used in tens of billions of COVID-19 tests around the world, that's a pretty big deal. He's obviously a very smart man. Well, he began to watch very closely the landscape of the noise that is coming out and has been coming out involving millions of Americans and people around the world that want to use social media to express their thoughts. To talk about specific things that have happened, talk about specific things that they have watched themselves regarding every part of COVID 19, the disease itself, its adverse reactions, the vaccines themselves, and the reactions to the vaccines, and about people getting COVID. And they want to talk about it, and then without any kind of notice, no notification in advance. Social media giants just started not allowing Americans and people in other countries to exercise their rights to speak the truth, to give their opinions, and to share information that they got from other sources. And, of course, members of Congress, they just went crazy because they're private companies, folks, and they were very quick. Zuckerberg at Facebook, Jack Dorsey at Twitter before he left, they were all real quick to tell us, We are private companies. The free speech clause that's part of the First Amendment of the United States does not apply to us. We're not government-owned or a government entity. So because we're private, we can censor anybody and say what we want to say about it. We can stop anybody that is out there that wants to use our platforms if we don't agree with what they're sharing. So I never got, you never got, none of us ever got any real explanations why these supposed very credible big-time corporations that are the media watchdogs in large part to make sure we get only true stuff. What power, from what source did they find this thing and the desire to just take a hold of everything we are seeing and hearing as Americans and controlling what can be seen, more importantly, what can't be seen, what can't be read, and what can't be written. At CPAC over the weekend, Dr. Robert Malone was on stage in a uh, roundtable conversation. This is a very short, this is less than two minutes. He dispels any questions there may have been about what information-wise What intrusion wise, what in censorship wise in social media has been happening, why it's been happening, and who's at the bottom of it happening at all? Dr. Robert Malone.
2: The way that this works now, the way this game is being played, and I'm a veteran of many, many outbreaks. I've never seen this. My peers and I have never seen anything like this in the past. What happened was they set up an organization called the Trusted News Initiative, managed by uh, the BBC in the UK, and they defined misinformation as anything which is different from the official narrative. What we now know, because of the New York Times article and a number of others that have come out now in a flood, is that the CDC has been withholding data. And they have become fully politicized. The CDC is now a political arm of the White House, full stop. That has never been the case in the past. And so the way this logic works is that the CDC weaponizes information, aligned with the administration, puts it out, and if any of us say anything that's different from that political position that the CDC has taken, we are censored or deplatformed, as many have experienced. So that's, that's the problem. That's the situation we're in, is that misinformation is defined now as anything that's different from what the executive branch wants. And here's what they did recently, is with the Homeland Security, they defined mis- that anybody that's purveying misinformation or disinformation, these are their words, is a domestic terrorist if the information that we're putting forth causes people to have concerns about the government. This is full-on propaganda, censorship, and information warfare. It must stop. Did you get
1: that? Dr. Robert Malone, they have stumbled on the reason for all of this attack of free speech by social media and news giants nationwide. It's not just accidental. It's not just onesie-twosie. It is coordinated by an organization that governments from several countries put together and gave them the ability to label anything and everything that is being said by anybody in the marketplace of ideas that is opposite or if it's counter to the official COVID world opinion of those in the government of these countries. You are now, they have formally determined, they have written it, it's out there. You're designated, you're designated a terrorist. If you disagree with the government, if you disagree with the CDC, Dr. Anthony Fauci, other experts that are the so-called purveyors of only the facts regarding COVID-19, it's treatment what to do with it, how to live our lives. If you disagree with them and you go public, you're going to be labeled a domestic terrorist. Now, how does that make you feel? That's not an opinion, folks. That's the explanation for what we together, all of us, have been experiencing, watching people get kicked to the curb, watching doctors, some of the most credible, knowledgeable doctors on the planet Earth, being summarily shut down whenever they go to YouTube videos. You remember last week I got all excited and I told you I've got 61 YouTube videos from some of the greatest doctors on planet Earth. They've come out and they are presenting factual evidentiary information about everything to do with COVID-19. The things that we've heard, the things that we've been told, the things that we've wondered about that we haven't been able to get answers for ourselves personally, they came forward, 61 of them, and they did YouTube videos explaining what their findings was for each of the 61. Before I could even download the YouTube videos individually, every one of them was pulled off YouTube. They didn't fit the government narrative or explanation. They were not positive about things that the government had said were factual that really weren't factual. And now we're being told, and they are acting as if anybody that does that, that pushes out against the politically correct narrative on COVID-19, anything to do with it. And folks, this is just the beginning. It'll be going forward. Whatever sickness, illness, Whatever thing we have going forward, if you disagree with the government, you're labeled a domestic terrorist, and only God knows what kind of travesty that's going to bring to your life and your family. It's not good, folks. It's not good. So where and how did the social media giants get this this ability, this permission? You know exactly where. Mark Zuckerberg and his wife gave half a billion dollars during the 2020 campaign. Half a billion dollars supporting candidates and offices and not for profits that are activist agencies. Half a billion dollars buys you a lot of influence over anybody. Don't you think? so you can imagine what these other corporations what about these big news operations the far leftists i mean if you if you watch people that are on the air in news at abc and cbs and nbc i'm talking about the big broadcast networks and you watch what they bring to you in news regarding covid and its treatment very seldom does it border on even having any kind of reliability, genuine proof that these things are factual or that they work. And we live in the United States of America. You know that. We're the freest country on the planet. We're supposed to be able to say anything. Even if we say something that is strictly our opinion, it's still okay to say it. Others can disagree with you. But in this administration, under this attorney general, Merrick Garland, far leftist, in the tank for the Biden administration, loves the fact that power to adjudicate what's right, what's wrong, what's legal, what's illegal, and even worse than that, they don't have the legal right to determine what's legal or illegal. That's done exclusively according to the Constitution by the United States Congress. But where the DOJ can push the envelope is by determining if we're going to enforce what those laws Congress passed are or if we choose to turn a a blind face to it. We've got that power to do that, so we're going to do that, and that flies into the face of the United States Constitution and the rule of law. If you don't enforce laws, if you have a government that does not enforce laws, all laws as are written and passed into law, you don't have a nation. You have a banana republic, an entity that is feckless when it comes to having a United States Constitution and people living freely. That's a dream world, folks. That's gone. It's over. Wow. News isn't over. There's a bunch more going on. And we're not done. We're going to go into our last segment after this, and we've got some more information. Donald Trump's in the news again. I know, I know. He was at CPAC. You probably heard his speech or heard some of what he said. But the orange man, even the orange man, is being pretty topical about much of what he's saying, looking at the landscape of the United States. And yeah, he's taking the victory lap or two because a lot of what he predicted under Joe Biden, guess what? It's come true. That and much more right after this at TNN Live. Back
0: in a minute. A politician's worst nightmare? The truth. And you're getting it here with Dan Newman on TNN, the Truth News Network.
2: At HM, and
0: be stylish, be trendy, with women's clothes and accessories at the best quality and the best prices since 1947. Come to H&M and shop for women's clothing and accessories inspired by the latest fashion trends. Here at H&M, the master of cheap fashion, clothes cost the average price of $21.40. Wow, that's
3: so cheap
0: and affordable. I know, right? H&M offers fashion and quality clothing at an affordable price.
3: So, what are you waiting for? Come shop at H&M today.
0: Hashtag hot and modern. This is the truth your mama warned you about. TNN, the Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org, and Dan Newman.
1: Do you remember when Donald Trump went to Europe? I guess maybe this was in his second year, maybe even before then. I don't remember which. But when he went there, he got in the faces of all these leaders of these NATO countries for not paying their contracted amount in the defense of their nations. Now, paying the bill when it comes to NATO, literally, it wasn't countries sending checks to NATO, whatever the agreed to amount, percentage of whatever it was. They didn't just send checks to Ukraine. It was based, uh, not Ukraine, to NATO. It was based on spending a certain percentage of their domestic product. In other words, the dollars and cents that they made that came through their governments in a year's time, they all to become members of NATO, signed a contract and agreed to pay that percentage towards their national defense. Now, why would that go? And what authority would NATO have over that? Just think about it. If you're a member of NATO and you get in a skirmish, a war, a major conflict or whatever with some foreign foe, the contract for NATO says that your neighbors in NATO, if you war against one, you war against all. So they're going to have to come in and protect each other. How do you do that? You've got to have your military beefed up to sustain those kind of challenges if and when they happen. Donald Trump was berated by the mainstream media for going over there and acting like a spoiled kid. He got in the faces of these leaders and said the United States is the only entity in NATO that's paying the percentage, the fair share that it's supposed to pay. And if you want the United States to honor that commitment, if, and when you get in a bad situation and you need us to bail you out militarily, you're going to have to pony up and come to the table yourself. The largest offender in NATO, you want to guess who it was? Germany. One of the wealthiest nations in NATO after us but guess what happened over the weekend? News comes out after years of delinquency to meet its NATO obligations, Germany, the economic powerhouse of Europe, finally committed to spend at least 2% of its gross domestic product on their own defense spending. Chancellor, the new chancellor, Olaf Schultz, said this over the weekend from now on, More than 2% of our GDP will be invested in our defense, announcing that the German government will commit an additional £100 billion sterling in this year's budget towards the German military. While Germany has increased its spending over recent years, it has consistently failed to reach the NATO threshold, spending just 1.53% on defense last year. Now this is according to NATO, their own numbers. The state of the German armed forces was lambasted last week by the chief of the army, Alphonse Mays, who wrote that the army that I am allowed to lead is more or less bare. The policy options we can offer in support of the alliance, talking about NATO, are extremely limited. We all saw it coming. We're unable to get our arguments through to draw and implement the conclusions of the Crimean annexation. That doesn't feel good, he said. I'm disturbed. Germany has long been criticized for its failure to meet its NATO obligations. At the same time, shipping billions to Russia in exchange for what? Natural gas. You think there's been any manipulation by Vladimir Putin there? In July of 2018, Trump said this. It's very sad when Germany makes a massive oil and gas deal with Russia, where we're supposed to be guarding against Russia, And Germany goes and pays out billions and billions of dollars a year to Russia. We're protecting Germany. We're protecting France. We're protecting all of these countries. We're paying a lot of money to protect. This has been going on for decades. It's very unfair to our country. It's very unfair to our taxpayers. These countries need to step it up, not over a 10-year period, but immediately. Trump also commented that because of reliance on Russian gas, Germany had become a captive to Putin's regime. After years of controversy, the German government finally decided to block the opening of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline last week, finally. In an interview, three American ambassador, then American ambassador to Germany, Richard Grinnell, described Germany's commitment to NATO as woeful He said, Germany is the largest economy in Europe. They made a commitment to NATO. They should be serious about what they committed to do. It's a multilateral institution that guarantees the allies and it guarantees everybody's freedom. On top of their waiting so long to meet its defense requirements, Germany also reversed its longstanding prohibition on sending or selling weapons to conflict zones. Now that's interesting. Not only was Germany not paying its fair share when they got a request to help out the nation of Ukraine, which is their neighbor when they were asked for some military weaponry to help them push back against Putin just recently, they sent the German government sent to Ukraine combat helmets. That's all they sent. They didn't send any money. They didn't send any military equipment, but over the weekend it was revealed that Germany actually sent some anti-aircraft equipment, really good and an extensive amount of it to Ukraine for Ukraine to defend itself against Vladimir Putin. The helmet thing, they sent 5,000 helmets. They just got excoriated and it didn't just happen last week. In fact, we were been reporting about it for several months. So when he was asked about it, about the about face from his government. Schultz told the German parliament we need to support Ukraine in its hour of desperate need, adding, there was no other response possible to Putin's aggression. I'll just say this, hats off to the German people. Um, My background, the name Newman, it was originally Neumann, N-E-U-M-A-N-N. My dad told me in World War II we had people, relatives, fighting on both sides of the war. We had German Neumanns in Germany, and then we had, of course, a bunch of Newmans. My family dropped the U in one of the N's at the end, replaced the U with the W. And it's interesting now, remember, Ukraine is not a member of NATO. Germany didn't have any contractual responsibility to do anything for Germany uh, for Ukraine, neither did the United States or any other country. For that matter, it was just and is the right thing to do. I mean, if, if you're going to have tyranny in one part of the world, it's going to impact not just the targeted con- country or targeted entity. It's going gonna, it's gonna to impact everybody around. It just makes common sense, especially for com- countries. It makes common sense for everybody to pull together and work together to get good stuff done and make sure that when it comes to being safe, especially when it comes to protecting the safety of the individual sovereign people in these sovereign nations, that the bullies are being accosted not just by that nation they're trying to take advantage of by the friends of that nation along with that nation itself. So we can't wait tonight is the night Joe Biden's state of the union address And guess what? It's going to be very public. It'll be live, televised. Everybody's going to be watching and talking about it. And the big conundrum when it was announced is what Nancy Pelosi said was going to happen, which is nobody gets into the chamber for the State of the Union message unless they're wearing a mask. And, of course, immediately there were a bunch of members of Congress that said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not even going to go. So in what Democrats are certainly see as a victory in optics, which they're desperate to find things that look good in this administration, Capitol physician Brian Monahan said yesterday, individuals may choose to mask at any time, but it is no longer a requirement. That's according to new guidance from the CDC. The Washington, D.C. region is now in the green level or low level in this new CDC schematic, allowing for reduction in COVID prevention measures such as coronavirus testing frequency, indoor mask wearing, the doctor said. Coronavirus circumstances, the COVID-19 community level, may change to a medium or yellow level where select individuals resume interior mask wear and weekly serial testing while a high orange level would prompt resumption of the indoor mask wear requirement for all. By the way, the test positive rate at the Capital Testing Center has dropped from 13% at the beginning of this year to a seven-day average of just 2.7%. So in other words, looks like things are getting better. Looks like things are getting better. Overseas, COVID-19 vaccine passports for Scotland, they're over today. No mask wearing. They've expired. People are finally waking up, and these governments are finally realizing their citizenry are pushing back on these egregious lockdown and the mandate things. And don't forget, right now today, Tuesday, there's a convoy a U.S. convoy that started in Southern California. It's going to be at the U.S. Capitol to greet President Biden for his State of the Union address tonight. Isn't that going to be interesting to see how that plays out? So let me ask you this in our closing minutes today. What do you expect to hear tonight from Joe Biden? What do you think he's going to say? the centerpiece of the established media diagnosed, now I'm talking about the establishment media, the legacy media, the lapdogs of this administration and Democrat leadership. It was announced yesterday. President Biden's State of the Union, it's got to be rife with disunity and division. The Associated Press yesterday preempted his speech with an article that describes the actual state of the country, and he obviously is not going to say this, but the AP said this is it. The state of our nation is one of disunity, funk, and peril. The article slammed Biden for his leadership, or lack of leadership, to be honest, during a time when the nation's strength is being sharply tested from inside And of course, now from afar, we're not at war, but folks, we are so darn close to it. We're just going to have to be really careful. We really are. The outlet slammed Biden's State of the Union as weak, not strong enough for Biden to declare it so, hinting he should not in Tuesday night's speech tout how good things are in the nation. It's a state of exhaustion from the pandemic. Associated Press reported. It's about feeling gouged at the grocery store and gas pump. It's so low that some Americans, including prominent ones, are exalting Russian President Vladimir Putin in his attack on a democracy. And the AP in the article, they pointed to some data to back it up. Only 29% of Americans think the nation is on the right track. In December's AP NORC poll, Most said economic conditions are poor and inflation has hit them on food and gas. Most Americans are vaccinated in COVID-19 now, but debates over masks and mandates have torn apart communities and families. Consumer prices over the past 12 months jumped 7.5%, the highest since 1982. And we could just go on and on and on on that, but we don't have time to do it. Do I have time to bring you one more interesting piece of news? I think we do. This one probably is going to blow your mind, folks. You know, that study, that audit that the Arizona Senate did on their election processes, more of the findings of that study have been leaked. Listen to this. That study says... In the Arizona 2020 presidential election, more than 200,000 ballots with mismatched signatures were counted without being reviewed or cured as the proper term. That's more than eight times the 25,000 signature mismatches requiring curing acknowledged by the county. In other words, the rules are out there. If you have 25,000 signatures that are mismatched, according to Arizona law, you've got to have a complete audit and you've got to throw some ballots out. They didn't have 25,000. They had 200,000. That's in Maricopa County alone, folks. That's Phoenix. That's not the whole state. Maricopa County alone. It's crazy. It's crazy. And this is one of those things Dr. Malone was talking about. If you, in any way, shape, form, or fashion, if you go against the government narrative on any political issue, they now have been told, it's in writing, the Department of Justice, it's in writing, we must label you as a domestic terrorist if you propagate or you enforce or you go along with some policy about anything important if it disagrees with the government. You're automatically ruled a domestic terrorist. Now, I don't know about any laws that say anything about that, but let me just tell you this. Law or not, one thing I can advise you is lay low when it comes to going one-on-one against the FBI or any other department of the Department of Justice because they got way more money and way more power than do you or I. And folks, in federal law, especially in federal law, dealing with the federal government, getting involved in any kind of litigation there, it's a nightmare. You don't have enough money to do that. That's a wrap for the day. I want to thank you as usual for joining us here. Back tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Central, every Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 a.m. Produced by Truth News Network. It's TNN Live. We'll see you then, folks. Hey, have you
3: ever tried Really reaching out for the other side I may be climbing Dreams therefore for those who sleep Life is for us to keep And if you're wondering what this all is leading to I want to make it with you I Time will tell. If you believe the things that I do, and we'll see it through. Life can be short or long, love can be right or wrong. And if I chose the one I with you I really think that we could make